everybody, and welcome to Sports Social with Ed Easton. We are live here from Soundcast FM in Brooklyn, New York. You know, I usually come out and say, oh, the weather's nice. The weather's that weird mix where it's like it's not really that cold, but, you know, it's you can wear a light jacket. It's that type of mix. So it's spring weather, which is actually pretty good. Don't want it to be like way too hot right now or way too cold. This is perfect spring weather, right? Everybody's in the New York City area, I should say. Man, what a uh, interesting night we had in the uh, world of sports. You had uh, obviously two NBA playoff matchups. One of which came down to possibly maybe just half a second would have been the difference between overtime and obviously the uh, it would have it would just change the whole series in my opinion and you know we could talk about instant replay and how it's hurting the game and all these different things it's it right uh that's that's the main thing that i think no one's ever really complained about whether or not they get the answer right now i know there's a lot of uh old school people in there in regards to how they like things being judged it takes away the human element of the game i'm always hearing a lot about that i get it and I get it. Trust me, the human element is very important in sports. We've known this since we've played uh, Little League or Pee Wees or for many people out there that's played any type, any level of sports that don't have the capabilities of a Major League Baseball or the NBA, you know, the NFL, of course, to be able to check, to double check a mistake or to see if something was maybe missed. It's it's just a part of the uh, evolution of the sport. And I honestly don't I honestly don't have a problem feel like every 10 15 years most sports unless you're nfl you make a change whether it's you know in the nba you're updating the three-point line you're uh you're changing you know the the, the way in which people play defense because illegal defenses and now it's illegal offense because you can't do a clear out anymore michael jordan changed that rule you got the three and a key rule there's so many different rule changes that are happening for that balance So it's to me, it's it, nothing. It's nothing new. It's evolution. That's the part of the game. It's a part of sports. So I, I have no problem with it. But uh, like I said, we had those two games that were going on. Uh, the first one was Toronto and the Boston. No, not the Boston. I'm sorry. That's the next game. Toronto and the Indiana Pacers. And uh, that game went down to the wire. But that uh, Hawks and uh, pa- that Hawks and Celtics game that came on following it was. Uh, I don't even know what to call that second half. It was just a complete blowout. And uh, a lot of questions there for uh, the Celtics. We're going to go through all that as, along with some of the award winners. Uh, Steve Kerr, coach of the year, like question mark. You know, the guy played in less than half. Well, he coached in uh, half the game. So, you know, he was very, uh, I thought he was very gracious about it in terms of sharing it with his his team, in terms of his team, his, his team of coaches. I thought that was cool, you know. Like, what can you do in that type of situation? But uh, I, I still feel like he did a great job at the end of the day. But, you know, we'll discuss this. I'm going to have uh, Lincoln Ricketts on. He's our top NBA uh, analyst for Keeping It Real Sports. He's going to let us know what he thinks, what's going on with the playoffs. Uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, horrible injuries at the same time. I mean, in the same game, I've never really heard of that. Like, two critical injuries to your top two guns in the same game in the playoffs. That just, that's such a rare situation to happen. 
I mean, you know, you hope that the the Clippers do get ball back at some point. But I don't think I think he's done most likely to the, to the finals, and I don't see them making it that far. Just a uh, a tough injury, tough tough injuries all around. And that's how it goes. You got to have depth in this league. You're going to see a lot of Jeff Green, a lot of Austin Rivers. This is their time. You got to make something happen. But uh, definitely a lot to go through with the NBA. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Also, in our second hour, we're going to have uh, Mr. Danny Class A. He's a big boxing guy for uh, Keeping It Real Sports. Follows all the different things going on. For example, we got the we had the fight this past weekend with uh, Triple G, another knockout. Not a big surprise that Triple G knocks somebody out, right? I think he has like a weird streak was like 20 plus in a row or something like that. It's it's gotten ridiculous. And is there a real fight for him out there? You know, I, we're gonna we're definitely gonna discuss it. Just about just the level in the playing field that was going on with boxing itself. I mean, I feel like it's such a up and down sport right now in terms of interest. So it's going to be important to to have this 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 breakdown to see what's really going on, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All I know is I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see the uh, the changes that are going on in the sport. That there is going to be like more young and up and coming stars. But I feel like there's still some stars out there that need to get that big fight. We'll definitely go through each and every situation regarding that. Also, like watching last night, we had uh, some interesting baseball game. How about the New York Mets? Seven out of their last ten. As much as it hurts me to talk about the Mets, but they, uh, they're doing it now. They're starting to win again. Cespedes didn't start in the game, but comes off the bench. and It's a huge three-run home run to win it. They got the magic right now, so it's. If you're a Mets fan, you know, enjoy it, take it within reason. Still a long season. That's as a Yankee fan. That's how I take it. It's still a very long season. To me, you get your first benchmark in terms of where you could like rank yourself by Memorial Day. That's when you could say, okay, let me see. This is where we are and where we need to be. That's the way I look at it. Now, in terms of the, you know, just the surprises that I want to point out for the Mets, how about Neil Walker? Takes over for Daniel Murphy. Already eight home runs. Eight home runs for Neil Walker at second base. That's a shot in the arm. I mean, you talk about a team that was a little bit of a question mark in regards to how they're going to replace Daniel Murphy after the huge postseason he had. The uh, Mets team that found it with Neil Walker was also a better glove if you want to, you know, you care about what's going on in the field. And that's going to help them because, let's be honest, that lost in the World Series. It was a lot of uh, bad mistakes in the, in the outfield and the infield defensively. But uh, they're going to be okay. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Mets in a sense. Just staying healthy with their pitching is going to be their main, their main objective. So we'll see how that goes. Travis Darno just went on the uh, DL for the Mets, so. There it goes. He's, he's usually uh, he's had that problem the last two years, the injury bug. It's a 15-day DL. See if you can shake it. Also, they announced the women's national team for the Olympics. And like I said, I don't 
you know, I don't want to be one of those people that go against some of the uh, changes because when you see a team put together, you can't really figure out who to take off. And I'm really big on, like, you know, just saying, all right, who's not worthy of a spot? You know, it's it's really that's that type of um, that type of debate that people have all the time. The roster was introduced. I, I believe it's still being introduced today. Now I'm gonna name the people here. You're gonna you're gonna understand. Well, you're gonna see. You're gonna you're gonna realize there's some people missing that you would think would be on this list. So let me just start from the top. Simone Augustus, Sue Bird, Tamika Catchings, Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, Angel McCautry, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart, the rookie, just got drafted uh, about a couple of, probably two weeks ago from the Seattle Storm, Diana Tarazi, and Lindsey Whalen. Here's the kicker. We're missing, I feel like, two big names that are not on this list. One of them, I can understand why they probably left her off. But uh, the second, the, the, here are the two names. The first name, obviously, Sky Diggins. Now, Sky Diggins, everybody knows, has that, uh, he had that, that ACL injury in the middle of uh, last season. So, even though she's going to be ready for this year... I can see the committee saying, okay, you know, let's not put too much pressure on the surgically repaired, you know, ACL and everything, and let's not have her play that Olympic schedule. Because they do the Olympics in the middle of the WNBA season. So I can see that as being a reason, but, you know, obviously Skylar Diggins, one of the premier players in the WNBA. She's not on this um, on this year's roster. But the one that I'm still really questioning, and I, and I have a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of confusion as to why she wasn't included. Candace Parker. I just how is this, how does Candace Parker not make the U.S. Women's National Team? One of the more versatile players in women's basketball. Period. Would not be on the U.S. team. Ellis. This is not a team full of like, oh, this person shouldn't be there or that person shouldn't be there. Everybody on this on this list is very worthy. But, you know, we can make an argument saying Brianna Stewart, he hasn't earned it yet, you know. But at the same time, she was the four-time Amer All-American in college. Four-time. So she kind of takes the, uh, you know, quote-unquote Christian Leitner role as the uh, college student going into the NBA, getting on the team. I think Candace Parker deserved a spot. You know, I, I can see why they went with Sue Bird, even though she's, uh, I believe she's the second oldest on the team. You got Tamika Catchings at 36, Sue Bird at 35. They're veterans. You want to have veterans on the team. I get that. But it's just, you can't overlook the importance of a player like that. And I don't know. I, I, I things usually Things like this usually work themselves out. But you never know. Dino R.E.M. is the uh, head coach. You also got Don Staley on that staff, so. 
it, it should be interesting. And I, I just thought it was worth bringing up whenever you talk about it. And, and you know, if you're not sure how good Candace Parker is, she's definitely done some very athletic stuff in the WNBA. Um, very talented, plays for the LA Sparks. If you're just not sure, Google it, YouTube it. You'll see some of her highlights. And I, I, I thought it was a bit of a overlook there. But hey, we're not on the committee, so what can we do there? The Olympics, everybody's going to be gearing towards as well. We look at the men's, the men's roster. Uh, I think they're going to be releasing that officially soon. And uh, we'll definitely just check that out in terms of how they're going to set their rosters up. And, you know, you have to really question mark Steph Curry since we're talking Olympics. Will he be 100% going into an Olympic run? The guys had now already ankle issues and this whole sprained knee that's going to keep him out two weeks. A lot of question marks there. A healthy Steph Curry isn't automatic. I, th- I just look at a guy like Damian Lillard who always seems to be on the uh, the odd man out all the time. I can just see him waiting. Just waiting his turn. Will it be his time? There's so many guards. You got the Chris Pauls. You got all of that. I think Chris Paul, who obviously we just told about had the injury, he definitely won't be in there this year. So I can see Damian Lillard finally getting a spot officially for himself. But who knows? You know, we'll take uh, a lot of calls and uh, thoughts in regards to that situation. If you're not sure what the number is, it's 516-900-2278 at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. And once again, just uh, check out sportssocialpod.com. That has all the information on the show, as well as like just some clips and stuff. We're going to have interviews that are going to be listed on that page as well as part of keepingarealsports.com. So uh, definitely look forward to that, and you know, you'll see information to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe, leave a review. It's a good time. So with that being said, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six-form part. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo. She cause she don't know me, but yo, she's really fine. You know, I see her all the time everywhere I go. And even in my dreams, I can scheme a way to make her mine. Cause I know she's living fat. Her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball. So how am I going to compete with that? Cause when it comes to playing basketball, I'm always last to be picked. And in some cases, never picked at all. So I just lean up on the wall. Or sit up in the bleachers with the rest of the girls who came to watch they man ball. Dag, y'all, I never understood black. While the jocks get the fly girls and me, I get the hood rats. I Tell them scats, skittles, kebabble. Got hit with a bottle and in a hospital for talking that mess. I confess it's a shame when you living in a city that's the size of a box and nobody knows your name. Glad I came to my senses. Like quick, quick, got sick, sick to my stomach. Overcoming by thoughts of me and her together, right? So when I asked her out, she said I wasn't a type. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat. I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her, I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six-four-four. I wish I had a brand new car, so far I got 
his hatchback And everywhere I go, yo, I get laughed at And when I'm in my car, I'm laid back I got an A-track and a spare tire in the back seat, but that's flat And do you wanna know what's really whack? See, I can't even get a date, so what you think of that? I heard that prom night is a bomb night with a hood ratchet and old type of Rito Figaro, when in my car, I can't even get a hello Well, so many people wanna cruise Crenshaw on Sunday One day I'ma have to get in my car and go You know I take the 110 until the 105 Get off on Crenshaw, tell my homies look alive Cause it's hard to survive when you're living in the concrete jungles And these girls keep passing me by She looks fly, she looks fly Make me say, my, my, my I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat Six more apart I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller, y'all. I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Hey, I wish I had my way, cause every day would be a Friday. You can even speed on the highway. I would play ghetto games. Name my kids ghetto names. Little Mookie, the Owl, the Rain. Yo, you know that's on the real So if you down on your luck Then you should know just how I feel Cause if you don't want me around See, I go simple, I go easy, I go greyhound Hey, you, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Ah, yes, ain't that fresh Everybody wants to get down like that Wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller I wish I had a girl with a good I would call her Wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat Six for a parlor I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her, I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat Sports Social with Eddie Easton here on Soundcast FM. A little skilo, I wish. I haven't heard that in a while. Now, once again, I just want to remind everybody, you can go to sportssocialpod.com for more information on the show. We're going to be doing a lot more different interviews and uh, different things in the upcoming episodes, as well as some in-studio stuff that you're going to see via video, uh, live via YouTube as well on Soundcast FM. So look out for that. Now, I'm talking about the NBA. We have the whole playoffs going on and like the different matchups. Some of them, obviously, some uh, series have come to an end. There was the whole thing with uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, they shared their uh, displeasure with uh, Mark Cuban and his comments about Westbrook being a star or not. Um, we're definitely going to get into that audio later. But uh, I just thought, you know, if you're Mark Cuban, what a way to just say, okay, you know, I'm not. There's no way I'm signing Kevin Durant at this point. I think it's pretty easy to just cross him off, cross that off the list right there if you're Kevin Durant. You're not going to Dallas. There's just no way. After that, so, you know, obviously Durant is going to have everybody waiting around. I'm honestly not too sure. I think he stays in OKC at this point. Uh, he already made a 
pretty much sure that he's not going to DC, even though Scott Brooks was hired there. You have to uh, consider the fact that Kevin Durant, still one of the top players in this league, going to get top money because of the salary cap change-up. It's only a matter of time before like OKC makes him the uh, highest-paid player you know, or something like that. They were to be worried about Westbrook. They're going to be worried about that contract situation. And how can you not be? But my question is, who do you value more? Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook? Decisions like that, and, you know, we go back to the 90s with uh, Shaq and, uh, and Penny Hardaway. When a franchise is not too sure how they want to go in either direction. I, I look at it as it could be a similar it could be a similar deal. I mean, Shaq obviously regrets it now leaving, but back then he felt disrespected. He felt like he's the main piece, not Penny Hardaway. And this is no disrespect to Penny. This was just the reality of the situation. But who knows? Who knows? Right now, we have our caller on the line. Link's you there? Yes, I am. All right, we got Lincoln Ricketts here on the phone with us. Now, uh, Link's, the NBA playoffs is underway, are well underway. We already got a couple of series that have ended. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. so far? Do you feel like it's gotten better from that first weekend, which is a bit of a disappointment? Uh, slightly. I mean, there's only really two matchups that I expected to actually be really, really good, and that is um, – Celtics and Hawks, and Hornets and Heat. So other than that, we all expected blowouts, especially in the top-heavy West. We all expected four or five games out of them. Actually, the Cleveland and Detroit game, actually, you know, barring the third game, or I think the second game, where it's actually competitive throughout the whole series. But overall, it was what I expected. I knew it was going to be a... Everyone wants that first round of 2010 when everything was so great. Like, every matchup was just set and everyone was battling out. But we don't have that because of the top-heavy um, teams we have in the West and the clear-cut favorite of Cleveland in the East. Right, and obviously the first thing that I have to bring up is the injuries because this has been a, a heavy injury-hit playoff, you know, uh, uh, year. Yes. Uh, we could talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, but it's no point because they're out. But the, um, yeah. the big one, obviously, Steph Curry – Having the sprain, they're saying maybe two weeks. What do you think of with that situation? Well, what that situation is, a lot of people are um, leaving the key word out of it. They're reevaluating him after two weeks. That doesn't mean he's coming back in two weeks. Because a lot of people see reevaluating, they automatically think, oh, he's coming back in two weeks. Back where they're just checking the knee again to make sure will he be out again for another week, two weeks, or is it a possible out for playoff outcome? But I'm not going to say that oh, he's out of playoffs. Or like if they do pass the second round and get to the Western Conference Finals, I think there's like maybe a seventy percent chance that Steph Curry will be playing. Will he be playing a hundred percent like how Blake Griffin was playing on his quad? I'm not sure. I don't think he will be a hundred percent, but I think he'll be still be able to play. But will he be the Steph Curry of the Rise of Dazzle shooting threes off the quick um screens? We don't know. Very interesting. And obviously they have this matchup uh tonight, a chance to close out the Houston Rockets and I just read mm-hmm. somewhere that uh, Jason Terry is guaranteeing a win tonight for the Rockets. Well, 
to be very, very professional on here, I know he did it probably on Crip because <laughs> I know that he has such a a strong feeling in his heart that he was going to win. They're going to win this game. But after that third quarter and the fourth quarter that we've seen last uh, game that they had, I don't know if they really can come out and win it. Like, I, don't, I think they, like, have this ability in them to, like, rev themselves up in the first half and then just completely fall flat. Like, this is what happened, um, I believe, in 2013 when Russell Westbrook was injured. And then they're like, oh, it's 3-1. You know, we can actually come back on the Thunder. And I believe the team is just going to shut down on them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game just to see how it plays out. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Sean Livingston being the point guard, you know, during that. But you already know it's going to be a lot of Draymond Green handling the basketball and uh, making those decisions. Yeah, uh, yeah there's nothing wrong with that. No. Like, he's averaging seven assists so far in the first round. Clay Thompson becomes Clay Thompson. And then Iguodala still being effective off the bench, especially the whole team becoming effectively playing Warriors basketball, then I don't think there should be a problem tonight. I think they win. Okay. Now, the other big injury bug, and I, I had to, honestly, I've seen the playoffs for many years. I've never seen the top two players go out in the same game of a playoff series. Now, this is the situation well, with the Clippers. What are your thoughts with that? That's insane. Yeah, see, all right, okay. With the Blake Griffin thing, a lot of people didn't realize this, that he said he's coming back 70%. And when someone does that, even if they're trying to acclimate him in the game, and he said verbatim that there's still a tear in this quad. Mm. Like, you don't play through that, especially through hard playoffs. Right. Especially through the players with the NBA where you're going to be playing extended minutes, especially if you are a superstar. Mm-hmm. Well, not superstar, but a star. You know, and I was like, this is kind of skeptical, but, you know, hey, Doc Rivers knows his player, Blake Griffin knows his knee. Let's see what goes on. Mm-hmm. And then as you've seen from last uh, two nights ago, you see him limping around yeah. from the jump, and you're like, oh, man, what is really going on? He was like 3 for 10 before he even got out the game, mm-hmm. and you seen the sluggish in him, and then soon Chris Paul was going 6 for 6. You know, Chris Paul was actually carrying the team himself. Like, you had Afrook Amino hitting threes on the other end, and J.J. Redick missing three straight threes in a row, and you're like, what is going on here? He's also hurt, like, what, uh, J.J. What, Redick. What's this? So he... Huh? JJ Reddick, yeah. He's also hard with his heel. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, he was wide open. Right. I'm about this is a, a actual trend where Farouk Amino hit a three, and then JJ Reddick had an open three, missed it. They got the offensive rebound, went back to him, missed it. Come back next possession, missed the next three. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then Chris Paul makes a mid range shot, makes another mid range shot. So he was carrying the team, and he just did a simple swipe and broke his hand. And that, I, you know. <sighs> You know me, Ed. Yeah. You know me. I know. Right. I know. So, you know, <laughs> I feel sad for Chris Paul to be injured. Right. I feel sad. Mm-hmm. But the feeling as a Clipper fan, I don't feel sad for that at all. As you know what fan I am. I know. For the last three years where I've been dealing with. This is how I felt in the past three years. Injury upon injury upon injury, such as okay, OKC. But it is a sad situation as the Clippers are cursed. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Right. They're not passing this first round. I, I, unless you focus your offense on DeAndre Jordan, with his airball, airball threes, I mean, airball free throws, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. It's, it's a funny dynamic because it kind of changes the uh, mindset if you're the Golden State Warriors because you're, you were kind of expecting the L.A. Clippers. And mm-hmm. now with this whole injury situation and then the way Damian Lillard and uh, McCollum are playing, mm-hmm. that may be a tough matchup without Curry. Very. You know, I, I mean, the thing is, what they do is um, 
every team now in the playoffs, every time they're going to play the Blazers, they're always going to double um, Damian Lillard, right? So they're going to make the pass. That's why you see Mason Plumlee, I mean, that's why they're winning now. Mason Plumlee has nine assists in the last two games. Yeah. A lot of people don't, don't even realize that. Very different from where, how he played in Brooklyn. Very different. Very, very, because they teach him like – then that's why I give so much when he's talking about the awards and stuff like that. I give Terry Stott such huge praise because he took Myers Leonard was actually the starting center and the focal point of the offense that wasn't CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard. Right. And then he plugs in Plumlee and soon he gets the ball off the double when he gets it right in the middle of the um, floor. Either there's a floater or he does a quick pass to either to the right or left, which is his, um, Aminu. Or is it more Harkless or Ed Davis? And you're like, oh, this guy actually is making basketball decisions. And I think that he is one of the key reasons for Warriors to stop. Because they don't stop him and his passing. Like, he's Draymond Green on the on the Portland Trailblazers. And people don't want to admit it. People don't want to say, oh, whoa, whoa, Draymond Green. His numbers is showing like it in the first round. Wow, that's something definitely to think about. And let's go back to what you were saying with the uh, coach of the year. Now, it mm-hmm. went to Steve Kerr. And I get because he won 73 games and those wins, even though it was Luke Walton coaching in the beginning of the year, those go automatically mm-hmm. to Steve Kerr. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? Like the fact that he's the, even though you missed half the well, year? Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, another thing that people don't realize, when they give coach of the year, the coach of the year, they receive it, but it's usually the staff that, you know, is for the accompanying of the award, right? So it's weird to see Luke Walton also be on the ballot but the thing is, they're using his Steve Kerr's philosophy, his right. coaching guide. Like he was not sitting on the bench, but he was still plugging and playing. He was still giving the the blueprint for Luke Walton. So for the fact that he win, it doesn't bother me. I did have other choices, as we said before, like Terry Stotts, um, Brad Stevens. I had other choices, but this is not a wrong one because when, like last year or the year before, when Pop goes up and gets his award, the assistant coaches all come up with him. So it's not just a one singular coach award. I mean, it's a singular award. It's usually the whole team. So I don't have a problem with it. Do people have a problem with it? Some may, but I don't. Okay, that's fair. That's a very fair way to look at it. Now, we're looking at, obviously, the uh, the, the awards that are coming up. MVP is going to be uh, Steph Curry. You meant unanimous. It should be unanimous. But, Unless know. one person from OKC is going to you know, I'm just gonna pick Russell Westbrook to mess up the unanimous pick. <laughs> I think that might happen. Like, think, uh, yeah, it's, like a Dan Lebertard. We'll see. Well, I think that's definitely well deserved. And speaking of which, I do want to jump into real quick, and I, I brought it up at the beginning of the segment. Russell Westbrook and uh, Kevin Durant had some choice words at the podium after the uh, Dallas win. Now, I loved it. You loved it because uh, they took a shot at Cuban after Cuban's uh, comments regarding Westbrook. Uh, do you feel like that's mm-hmm. the uh, the way to handle it? No, that, that's the perfect way to handle it. Is Mark Cuban an idiot? No, he's not an idiot. We know that he's not an idiot. He's, he made himself a self-millionaire. We know that he's not an idiot. But for the perspective of the question at hand, disrespecting his teammate and all superstar in the league, top five player in the league, to say that he's not a superstar and he's just an all-star, Kevin Durant handled it probably 100% right, honestly, in my eyes. I think that you should do that for as a leader. You protect, not just protect, but you show that you have your, not just your friend, not just your teammate, but your super, uh, fellow superstars back. Because I would do that for my friend. A person who has a heart would do that for their friend or their confidant. So he, the way they handled it was perfect. And what they did after with Charlie B 
was just amazing. It was just like icing on the cake because it was just perfect. Especially the way that they're heading, as in like, we're not the nice guys, but we're not the villains at all because we got the fire under us. And no one else is showing that in the playoffs except for them. And, you know, I think that's the right route to take, especially going against the Spurs. Definitely hear you on that. Now, my last question before you go mm-hmm. is uh, I, I got to bring it up because I was watching the, the Raptors game and, you know, Drake is uh, very involved on the sidelines mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You being a huge Drake fan and obviously views come out, uh, was it views from the six come out oh, this yeah, Friday? Oh, yeah, 429. <laughs> Mind them no. Yeah, Mind yeah. them no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you agree? Sound, sound, sound. Yeah. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> With the uh, how he is on the on the sidelines, like, he's very involved. Even when he feels like he's he's in, to me, it looks like he's in the way. But he's yeah, like, you know, the thing, he is in the way. <laughs> he is, but you know, the, the the thing is, if he was a regular, you know, hundred k making guy that's just sitting on the court side, we all would be like, oh, who is this random guy clapping in somebody's ear? That's so disrespectful, right? You yeah. people would say that. But the fact that it is Drake, like if it was Jay Z, if it was. Love Wayne. Like, if this is what type of celebrity stature that's doing this, we kind of look a blind eye, but we were like, oh, Drake is wild, and ha, 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 ha. We make fun of it and keep it going. If it was a regular guy, we would all, you know, rise up in arms, like, yo, protect our players. Don't let yeah. someone do this right behind them. You know, but since it's Drake and, you know, what he means to the Toronto Raptors and their organization, this is going to go This going to go by. This is going to fly by real quick. All right, because he's getting too close, in my opinion, besides the whole Bulls incident, even last night, just, you know, just so close to the players. And then he obviously, mm. he saw the Instagram post that he took down with uh, Paul yeah, George crying. Like, come on, man. Like, come on, Drake. <laughs> All right. Yeah, man, you got to make it fun sometimes. You got to make the playoffs fun sometimes. All right, Lincoln, as always, thank you very much, man, and mm-hmm. uh, have no a good problem. one. <laughs> you too. It's a, you know, Drake is the type of guy just keeps himself involved in everything. You know, he doesn't really seem to, it doesn't seem to phase him the fact that he's not really involved in the game. The guy is, I guess he is like a more of a fan development type of guy for the Toronto Raptors. So I get the front row seats. He's done a great job at increasing the awareness of basketball there and making it, making the Raptors sort of a cool thing in the NBA. So I, I give him credit for that. But some of the antics, you know, let's, let's calm down, like whispering in players' ears and, it's just weird, man. He, every time I see him, every time I watch a Raptors game, I'm kind of distracted. I, I always see him jumping around, you know, in the background, and more than Spike Lee. And, you know, I was always I'm – I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm used to Spike Lee. But, man, Drake, he's taking the Spike Lee thing to another level. I, I have to say that. That's that's just really what it is. But, uh, as always, thank you again to Lincoln Ricketts regarding the uh, NBA, giving us his update and take on everything going on. Go do a step aside and uh, take a break and actually get to some of those uh, some of those press conferences from yesterday in the NBA playoffs. You're listening to Sports Social at Easton here on Soundcast FM. Can't stop till I see my name on the blimp 
Guarantee a million shells pulling up a luck. You don't believe in Harlem World, double up. We don't play around, it's your bet, lay it down. Niggas didn't know me 91, bet they know me now. I'm the young Harlem with the Goldie sound. Can't no PD, hold me down. Cooter, school me to the game, now I know my duty. Stay humble, stay low, blow like booty. True pimp, spin no dough on the booty. Yeah, there go mace, there go your cutie. Sports Social at Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Once again, we're taking your calls, 516-900-2278. We were talking NBA. We're still on the topic of uh, just, like, how that game ended last night in regards to the Indiana Pacers and, and the Toronto Raptors in Toronto. And besides the whole Drake talk, 
it was a very weird ending. Like, it's not, I'm not going to say controversial because it was the right call. It, he got the he got the shot off half a second late, and instant replay helped figure that whole thing out. And this was Solomon Hill we're talking about. And for everybody that wasn't sure if you know maybe George should have taken the shot, the plan was to George, but he didn't have it. He was double teamed at the time. Threw a little shovel pass over to Hill, who was wide open. Hill has a very slow release, so that half a second cost them the game, sadly. But let's be honest, they, they struggled towards the end of that game. I think only nine points the entire quarter. Six turnovers. You're just not going to win many games if you're struggling to uh, put the ball in the basket. And that was the uh, biggest issue with them regarding that. So, my biggest question is... Indiana now backs against the wall. Can they get the job done? Like, are they the type of team that's resilient enough to uh, fight back after this? Gonna be a lot of questions, a lot of people looking at them. Speaking of questions, they had the chance to answer a lot of those during their uh, post-game presser. And here's some of the sound. This is uh, obviously first from their coach, Frank Vogel, after the loss against the uh, Toronto Raptors on the road. What did you see in that fourth quarter that allowed the Raptors back into this game? Uh, their bench came in with great energy and uh, you know, made a little bit of a run early, and they carried it over you know, against, their star against our starters when we got our guys back in. Coach, I presume you wanted Paul to take the last shot. Can you talk about how that possession played out? Yeah, I wanted him to take the last shot if he was open. You know, he brought, he stumbled a little bit, had two guys on him, he made the right basketball play. It was a great play. I mean, just a great play. Um, one frame shy of being a tie game going overtime. Given how well Paul George was playing, how hard was it to leave him on the sidelines as long as you did? Well, he and... looked pretty. He looked pretty gassed at the end of the third. Uh, we had a a decent lead that I thought we could we could you know hold up. That that lead stayed around 11, I think, you know, until around in the you know the nine minute mark. Okay, and then we we're ready to get him back in. Remain confident, um, and don't get caught up in quote unquote that kind of loss. It always said all game long uh, when we had the lead is it's a 48 minute game. Okay. Can't get caught up in what we led at what time or anything like that. They had to win. We're trying to beat a 56-win team in their building okay, in a game five. So, you know, it's a 48-minute uh, game. We played well, just fell short, remain confident, come back and get game six. Well, we got to put this away, unfortunately. We got to put this one away. Um, it's a new game, new day. Uh, Friday, we have to get a win. It's a must-win. Um, it's 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 awful to have a chance to to win on the road, go up three two, and come back home. But no, once again we uh, we failed to live up to that moment, and um, we gotta do it in game six. Paul, I know after a lot of games you do check the stat sheet, but this time it seemed like you were studying it for a longer time. What was popping out to you? Um, I mean, just only one stat: nine points in the fourth. Only thing to look at nine points in the fourth, and I just think, as a team, you know, we we kind of, you know, I, I think the crowd, the intensity, um, we it didn't, it took away from 
us being in attack mode and, and being confident. Uh, you know, I thought we played a little nervous, a little tight um, on our heels, and um, you know, we we just didn't finish. We didn't finish around the basket well enough. We didn't see the open uh, guys when they helped. Um, but I think as you know, to look at it as a whole, we just played tight, and uh, it's certainly the, the way we didn't open the game up. I think our guys individually know. Um, individually that they have to bring it. Um, you know, I'm not about putting guys down or putting teammates down, um, but individually everybody has to bring it. Every game we plan for DeMar going for 30, 40 points. Um, it's nothing that we do differently. Um, you just make it tough for them. Obviously that was uh, Paul George talking and uh, giving his thoughts on the disappointing loss. You see how he was focusing more on that nine turnovers and I thought it was interesting to hear from Frank Vogel in, in terms of why he kept him on the bench in the beginning of the game, the beginning of the fourth quarter like that. He said he was he felt he was a little gassed and you want to make sure your player gets some rest. Guy had 39 points in the game. He was carrying the team. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing with Indiana, I feel like, is having someone else to step up. That seems to be just a missing piece to their team. Having that next guy. I thought it was going to be Monte Ellis, but... He's been struggling. Uh, you know, they try to give him different looks. To me, he's not the same Monte Ellis that we noticed even in Dallas, back in Golden State, Milwaukee. He's lost a lot of explosiveness, and it's been a problem for them moving forward in this series. Can they win game six? I think it's very possible because Toronto hasn't proven that they could put a team away. They haven't won a playoff series since 2001 against uh, my New York Knicks, of course. So... It's a big thing for them to really uh, see if they can buckle down. And I'm talking from the Pacers' point of view and figure out those fourth-quarter problems because that's something that uh, can keep you out. It can really keep you out of a, uh, not just the, you know, uh, a series, but moving forward. Uh, I mean, this is ridiculous in terms of Paul George comes out, the team is just falls apart. There has to be a balance. And teams like that where there's one superstar always has this problem. I mean, I do have to talk about the Knicks again. This is the situation that they seem to always have. Now, in regards to what's going to be done uh, moving forward in the next game, it's going to be really up to Toronto if they are ready to put this team away. And We'll see. It's going to be a fun game six. It was a fun game five. So game six should be even more fun in Indiana. Now, the other game was a blowout, period. There's no other way to really look at it. The Rockets, I'm sorry, not the Rockets, the Hawks. The Hawks and the Celtics. Now, Isaiah Thomas got a little tweak. I think ankle, they say he's going to be fine at the end of that game. The Hawks were all over Boston in that second half. The first half... Atlanta was struggling and shooting the ball. But when they got hot, they got hot. And Boston just never seemed to uh, find any type of momentum. They looked gassed themselves, maybe from playing that overtime game. And it gets to you. You know, I understand you feed off the crowd's energy. When you're on the road, it's a different type of energy that you try to feed off of, and you just can't get it. So it, there's no guarantees from that perspective. But uh, once again, a very uh, talented very talented Hawks team. They've really shown their they've really shown what they're about. 
they made sure when they had the Celtics down, they were going to keep them down this time around. So you have to, uh, you know, Mike Boonholzer's, uh his team, you got to give them a, a lot of credit for that. As they also uh, spoke with the media after the win. So this is, this is obviously from their, from their head coach and the uh, rest of the team. This is what the Atlanta Hawks had to say after their big Game 5 win. At home versus the Boston Celtics. The guys tonight, um, you know, even in the first quarter, I think the way they were getting after defensively um, set a tone, and I think we just needed to uh, to get a little bit of a rhythm, maybe play a little bit uh, with more pace, more ball movement, the stuff we've been talking about all year. Um, in the second quarter, I think they seemed to to find that rhythm and. Obviously, uh, you know, guys, Mike Scott off the bench was great. You know, Kent Bazemore had a big second quarter. Um, and the whole group, you know, Tabo's energy, Tabo's activity. It was just, you know, a good team win. Uh, all up and down the roster, guys playing well on both ends of the court. You know, now we just have to take um, this same type of mentality, the same type of effort, and take it on the road. The first quarter, it seemed like it was contagious that we couldn't make a shot. And, the second quarter, it became contagious that everybody was making them. So, you know, I think I think we just needed to to uh, breathe a little bit, um, you know, keep playing hard, and you know, just get into a, a little bit of a, you know, I think with that same edge, but you know, just letting it fly, playing confidently, moving. Um, I think the second quarter that kind of settled in. Can we play with the same poise, with the same effort? Uh, you know, the crowd is great here. The the crowd tonight. Um, and I think our guys have a comfort, and um, we just need to, to take that on the road. And in the playoffs, it's always important to, to be able to, uh, to put a crowd away and um, play well. It's definitely contagious, but I think what changes is, you know, we just say, let's just let it fly. You know, uh, I think we loosened up a little bit there in the second quarter. You know, guys are uh, just more aggressive, you know, shooting shots. You know, I, I think, um, you know, in the huddle, you know, we understand, like, we've been here so many times, you know, where a defense has been stellar, but we haven't been able to make shots. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, we got to a point tonight where it's just like, man, let's just go out and, and let it go. Just play with a lot of energy, uh, be aggressive. I don't think I was aggressive uh, up in Boston for those two games. Um, just getting back to my game, not worrying about my shot, just, uh, you know, doing the little things and, um, you know, just having fun. We got back to what we're doing in games one and two, just, you know, showing them a crowd and, um, you know, trying to let the other guys beat us and, you know, getting our contestant shots. You know, the difference between the night and the past two games is, you know, they had a lot of guys making a lot of shots. Uh, you know, Mark Smart was huge for them up in Boston. Uh, Jarebko was huge. So, um, you know, tonight, you know, we you know, just, you know, let the percentages catch up and, you know, there those guys to make shots and uh, came out on top. It just goes back to... Being aggressive, um, my, my teammates always tell me, you know, if I ever get a mismatch, just, uh, you know, score, uh, do what you do. So um, I just have to be able to do that. Uh, sometimes I don't, so uh, I'm not aggressive. So tonight I just, you know, just saw red. The intensity, you know, it's a different, it's a different level up there. You know, they're used to, you know, uh, you know that franchise, that town is used to seeing, you know, the NBA Finals there. So. Uh, they have a different aura, you know, when you step into that gym and, you know, that, that jump ball goes up, you know, they're, they're rooting from, you know, the 48th minute down to the end. So um, it's definitely a, a different atmosphere. Um, 
but you know, some players thrive in it, and you know, it's, it's tough for others. Uh, but I think with us going up there, you know, losing two tough games, um, I think uh, you know this this one should be a tad bit easier on the mind. You know, the, you know, we've already been there and, and battled, so. Uh, it's definitely going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough to go up there and win. You know, close it out. Uh, but um, I think um, you know tonight uh, really you know gives us a you know mental edge. You know, heading into the next game. All right, that was the uh, Atlanta Hawks giving their thoughts on the big win. And uh, Mike Scott was huge in that game, and obviously he was saying like he just had to be more aggressive. Uh, Kent Bazemore gave his thoughts on just going into the Boston Garden. Well, not the Boston, look at me, the Boston Garden. Wow. Uh, the TD Garden House in uh, Boston. I'm so used to saying the Boston Garden, like, as if it's Larry Bird's going to walk through that door. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, you know. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. So, uh, that was my whole uh, look at that. I think I think Atlanta puts them away. As much as Boston's very scrappy, you know, a very fun team, they just they really laid an egg twice in this series. Uh, game two and obviously last night. You know, you got to look at the team psyche. You got to look at where their mindset is going into a series. It's very important to be on every single game, especially in the playoffs. It, there's no there's no excuse for getting blown out the way they did. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, things happen. Don't get me wrong. Things happen all the time. But you cannot... You just can't get beat up the way you did like that. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Boston, like I said, the, the Celtics fans are some of the best fans in basketball history. Let's let's put that in perspective. We can't take that away from them. And, you know, when you got a coach like Brad Stevens, who's going to coach his team to, in my opinion, he's one of the best preparers in the league. Like, you, you, I could put Stan Van Gundy in that same type of um, – realm of preparing your team for a matchup that's what brad stevens does he gets his team prepared i had him as my coach of the year not steve kerr but as you know things happen but uh it's gonna be uh interesting to see what he comes up with and uh this is what he had to say after the loss to the hawks in an embarrassing loss last night coach could you just give us uh, an update on just isaiah's status the only thing that, that I was told is that in the, on that play in the fourth quarter, he twisted his ankle, it's a mild ankle sprain um, from what they can tell. And so um, he'll get treatment, he'll get a film tomorrow and go from there. I think obviously obviously it wasn't about to start tonight, but they had their 24 to three runs at one time or another. Um, we can't let that happen. I thought that offensively we were getting great looks the first 18 minutes and we couldn't get any to go down. I couldn't get enough to go down, and our defense was was probably as good as we've played um, in those first 16 to 18 minutes. After that, I thought we were um, not near as good for whatever reason. I thought that uh, you know, offensively we we were much more stagnant, um, and defensively we were um, just way off bodies and way off the ball, and and they were way too comfortable. And once they get like that, hit a few shots, um, you know, they steamrolled us. We just have to play good basketball. You know, I'm just, I'm not worried about anything else but playing good basketball. And we have another game to play, and that's a good thing. It's more about how you're playing. They played great tonight, and and um, you know, if we play like that and, and they play the way they played, then home court advantage won't mean as much. 
So it's about how you play and it's about, you know, how you come out and everything else and hopefully sustain an effort. I thought that, again, I thought we were pretty good in the first 18 minutes. No, I just walked in and I said, listen, we have to, uh, we have to do a couple of things that were obvious by the naked eye to watch better that we can control. Um, and then we'll look at film and figure out what else we can do better and we'll move forward. I mean, there's no, it's, there's no like, I don't think there's any need to bite into anybody or give a big Newt Rockney speech in game, you know, five and six of the Eastern Conference, you know, playoffs. I just think you, you get ready for the next one and you prepare really well and, you know, you hope to come out the way we came out, which was focused and ready. Um, we just didn't sustain it. All right, so that was Brad Stevens giving his thoughts after the game. And, you know, he made, a, he made a good point. I mean, there's no real reason to just go in there and lean on his team. Uh, he handled it very well. There's still no word on Isaiah Thomas and what – and really what's going to happen in regards to him and, you know, how serious the injury actually is. I mean, I saw it. It didn't look too bad, but with ankle injuries, you never know. It depends on the person and how they react to it. That's uh, usually the biggest, the biggest thing they say with an ankle injury. I do think he's going to be fine, you know, for game six. Because there's no way you, you don't play game six. This kind of goes into the whole, you know, Blake Griffin thing. He was playing hero ball for an extent. But there's just no way you go into a do or die game six. And you don't, you know, you just don't, you don't play. You're you're the best player. If you're not playing well, the team doesn't play well. That's basically it. So I really look at that situation where I can see the Celtics falling just because of the just because of the lack of uh, firepower, that's the only reason why I see them falling. Now, as promised, I said I would play some of the uh, that clip that me and uh, Lincoln were talking about earlier in regards to Kevin Durant two days ago calling out uh, Mark Cuban for his comments regarding Russell Westbrook. They're very classic. Like I said, it's a, it's a classic thing to say because Kevin Durant is a free agent. Dallas was a potential spot. Now I don't believe it is so you know anymore after this playoff series. And that's what the playoffs does to you. You know, it gets you get you riled up, take it to that next level. But uh, before we go to break, I definitely want just to play because it's, it's still funny to me. It's still a very funny thing. And uh, once again, I'll take your calls, 516-900-2278. In the second hour, we're going to have Danny Class A talking boxing. Plenty of boxing to talk about. You're listening to Sports Social Ed Easton. We'll be right back. Were you aware of Mark Cuban's comments before the game when he said Kevin was the only superstar on this team? And and how how do you react to that? He's an idiot. Don't listen to this. He's an idiot. All right, that's what we got to say about that. You know, he's an idiot. Next question. Before the game, you were out 
Waiting for the opening tip. Charlie Villanueva came out and sort of lingered behind you for a second. Did you know he was back there? And did he say anything? Or what yeah, was going through said, your mind? He said a lot. He He's was an idiot too. You know, but now he gets to go home and do whatever he needs to do. Get ready for next year to sit down and watch more 80, 82 more games like he did this year. Might not even be in the league. Records and we're making the dash. Oh, I'm buzzing the club. This is how we do it. South Central dancing like nobody does. This is how we do it. To all my neighbors, you got much flavor. This is how we do it. I'll never come whack on an old school track.
We're back. Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And that's how we do it. All right. Now, once again, we're taking your calls, 516-900-2278. And uh, I do have to put some mention because we do have the semifinals starting tonight for the uh, New York Islanders in the NHL. 7 o'clock start. They're going to be in Tampa Bay. And obviously, the Islanders coming off that huge dramatic win. And you also have uh, Nashville versus Anaheim, Game 7. That's going to be a fun game in Anaheim. A very fun series for the most part. They're going to be going at it at 10 o'clock tonight on NBC Sports Network. Both games are on NBC Sports Network, so definitely worth watching. Check it out. If you're a uh, if you're you know in the New York local area and you're an Islanders fan, this is heaven for you because you haven't been in the second round since 1993. Now... Just to put everything in perspective, there was this whole, like, I guess, big thing regarding uh, one of the players for the New York Rangers. And, uh, you know, he was cursing out some reporters. And obviously, it's it's clips that we're not going to play because we're not going to play curses on here. But he, uh, it really much, it pretty much summed up what the Rangers were going through this year. A lot of frustration. And uh, it was uh, defenseman Dan Boyle. He uh, told the reporter to get the F out. It was a, uh, it was just a frustration spilling over, for the most part. You're talking about a team that's probably going to go through a huge overhaul and shake up this this um off season. You have all these different players, Stahl, Girardi, all they're getting paid pretty well. McDonough, Lundqvist, and you know when changes are going to happen, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of questions. And that's really the uh, hard part about it. So, you know, you're talking about players like, for example, you know, like a, a Henrik Lundqvist, a, a veteran. The guy's been around for a long time. He's been good for a very long time. And, you know, that obviously to, to go out so early when you're so used to so much success is not the most ideal situation. And as a team, how do you bounce back? Like, who stays, who goes? This, this is a Rangers team has been around for a long time. A long time. And uh, I'm just going to let you guys listen to a little bit of today's, like, breakup day, which is when you're just wrapping everything up, getting ready for next year, cleaning out your locker. And uh, this is just uh, something that, that, you know, every team has to go through, whether you're in the NBA, NHL, it's answering the tough questions, thinking about reflecting on the year. So uh, this is a little bit of what Henrik Lundqvist, who struggled in that series against the Penguins, his thoughts reflecting on the season and looking forward to a next year. The next week or so will be tough as well, and then you start to uh, um, move on a little bit. But you need, you need this time to reflect and analyze a little bit. The, the season, the playoffs, and, and where do you go from here? Have you been coming up with any answers or in your mind to, of maybe what happened to this team with 101 points that didn't maybe trend? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, you have to look uh, uh, regular season, going into the playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of different things you need to analyze the right way, I think. And like you said, we, we're over 100 points. Uh, we go into the playoffs, and I, I feel like we're 
uh, we're right there with them. Uh, game three is a big one. Uh, not being able to win that one hurt us big time. Uh, but also look at, at you know playing Pittsburgh. Penguins. You, you got to give them credit. They, they, they play great. They were a smart team. They were a fast team. Probably the hottest team in the league, winning 14 out of 16 games going into the playoffs. So um, we needed uh, everything and more to to beat this team, and we were not able to to get to that level this time. And um, I think now is the time to analyze why why didn't we get that done? But um, we have some time to do that, and then and then you just have to. Uh, get the rest here and prepare for, for a better and, and, and stronger uh, next year. They're a team that regrouped after being beaten last year. Is there a belief that this team is still capable of doing the same? Absolutely. I think uh, myself right now, how, how, do, how do you rate the season? Do, do you let the last two games um, set the tone for the entire season or do you look at all the good things we did throughout the year and, and going into this series uh, I think it's important that you you really think about the, the, the good and bad and get the right answers before you move on um, but again they, they, they were good they were playing a lot of confidence uh, in, in all aspects of the game special teams uh, their top guys were, were um, on top of their game and making a big difference for them. So, uh, yeah, hats off to them. But uh, we, we have to learn from it, obviously, and, and, and uh, make sure we come back uh, w with a strong year next year. How do you rate your own? Well, that's the thing. I think I need some more time to think about it. But um, regular season, it, it was definitely a year where um, there were more ups and downs as a group. And, and, and for a goalie, obviously, that's uh, sometimes I, it was a little more challenging to play at times. Uh, but you learn from that, and you just have to find ways to win games in different ways. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm regular season pretty happy with with, uh, with the way things turn out. Um, like I said, over 100 points. But then in the, in the playoffs, uh, first few games felt really good sharp and then uh, it's just the last two there were for a couple of different reasons why we didn't get it done or I didn't get it done um, so uh, try to learn from that that was uh, Henrik Lundqvist giving his thoughts and once again all these clips are courtesy of blueshirtsunited.com and uh, Lundqvist just you know talk about just not getting the job done that was the uh, biggest issue in that game and, and just in the series in general you know you, you just have to uh just have to really just change your mindset. So uh, tough situation right there for uh, Henrik Lundqvist to, uh, to to talk about. He's obviously getting up there in age in his mid thirties. Uh, a lot of just a lot of question marks heading into what he's going to do in the future. And uh, that's really what it comes down to. Like, how do you how do you make that that you know that 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 transition? from a guy who's basically been the franchise. Let's let's call it what it is. I mean, he's been the franchise for so long. I don't know how they want to handle it, but uh it's it's going to be a tough one for Ranger fans to see where they want to go considering that the team has been competitive for the last 4 or 5 years. You talk about making a Stanley Cup 2 years ago. Uh 
not get, it didn't get the job done there, but making it to the conference finals last year, it's a bitter. It's really a bitter pill to to swallow. I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of uh, a lot of different things to to think about. But uh, one of the people that obviously, as Rangers fans, want to know what their deal is, and they want to know is he committed to this team in terms of scoring and. And he, he got paid, he paid a lot of money. He's been injured most of the year. We're talking about Rick Nash. He uh, spoke to the media as well. And uh, once again, this clip is uh, courtesy of uh, Blue Shirts United. This is Rick Nash giving his thoughts on the season. Yeah, for sure. It's a disappointing uh, finish, disappointing day to uh, come here and close everything out so early. How do you view this year in your mind? It was tough. It seemed like we never uh, we never really got on track to the team that we have been uh, two years ago. So it's going to be a uh, interesting summer to uh, to try to bring that level back here. How about for you personally? Yeah, you don't put up the numbers that you want to, but. Uh, you know, it's something that uh, you, you got to get better. you got to have a good summer and try to come back even stronger. Are you optimistic you know, get your health back, right, that you can return to those numbers? Yeah, that's the plan. I still think there was flashes this year where uh, my game was strong, and I uh, just got to find that consistency. Do you need any off-season work that you know of at this point? Uh, no. Not, uh, Medically, you're clear? Yeah, it should, uh, should be good. Maybe some rest and some time to heal, but... Uh, Hopefully everything will be good. Year after year going deep in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't think you really make uh, make excuses, but uh, you know these guys. I've been here for four years, and these guys going back six years. There's, there's been a lot of playoff games, and, and um, it takes a lot of wear and tear on the body. But uh, I don't think it's it's an excuse for why we're we're out after the first round. Do you worry? Or, I don't know if worry is the correct word, but do you wonder whether this is going to be the group that comes back for training camp. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to worry, but uh, we can't control it. There's obviously a business side to hockey. Um, I know for me, I love this city. I love this organization. Um, it's 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 a fun uh, team to be part of, but. The realistic side of it, you you can't control what's going to happen in the summer. All right, that was uh, Rick Nash talking about this a disappointing season and you know just not knowing what's going to happen over the summer. There's going to be some changes. I, I just can't see there not being any changes. And once again, I want to credit Blue Shirts United for this uh, for these clips. And you don't know like what's going to go on with the Rangers and the different changes. This might be the end. You know, every team, no matter what sport it is, has a window where they need to win. And let's be real, they've had a good four to five year run, and so far, and no cups. So this could be a good situation. This could be a situation where you're talking about, you know what? It just is not going to happen. The window's officially closed, and Ranger fans, you never know. But you got to keep up. Just a positive attitude. That's the that's the main thing you want to get. Just keep a positive attitude. Hopefully things will change up. And you never know. I'm going to have uh, Danny Class A call in after this uh, break. And once again, we'll take your phone calls before we wrap up the show. 516-900-2278. But this song goes out to all the Ranger fans out there, as well as the New York Rangers. 
Let's keep your head up. How about that? We'll be right back. This is Sports Social on Soundcast FM. Without a Live right now with Danny Class A. He's our boxing expert for keeping it a real sports. Danny, how's it going, man? It's going really well. Um, here to talk some boxing with you, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So let's talk about it. 
Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, obviously the whole uh, Triple G fight is the first thing I got to talk about from this past Saturday. Um, I-, I watched it, and it was once again another knockout. I- I'm pretty sure you're not surprised by the outcome either, but what can we take from all these knockouts that we've been seeing so far? I really think it, it, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, we've seen this play out a lot, and it's kind of getting repetitive and formulaic. I, I saw the new fight um, that was built up as, as a great fight, but it turned out to be that, you know, HBO's PR machine very much sold that fight into something it wasn't. So I, I don't think anything is to gain from this from these recent knockouts other than that the Golovkin's fighting people that are not in his league. And I'm getting but, uh, tired of it. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I mean, I think we're all kind of getting tired of it. But, I mean, at the same time, nobody really gets tired of a knockout. Uh, the only problem I would have if I was going to go see a Triple G fight, unless he's fighting somebody of credit, you got to get there early because the fight will be over by the second round. Um, yeah, yeah. Who is really the next fighter? I keep hearing, like, Max Kellerman was, you know, he kept talking about it being maybe Canelo Alvarez, you know, after the whole Amir Khan fight. Is that a realistic bout? Yeah. Um, it's a fight that can happen. I don't know what you mean in terms of realistic. Would it be competitive or you mean could it happen? Uh, could it happen and also along the lines of would it be competitive? Well, for the first part of that question, I would say yes, it could happen. I think Soon enough, Canelo will feel the pressure to fight Golovkin because Golovkin is garnering a pretty big fan base. But the second part of that question, I, I don't think so at all. I think, um, you know, styles make fights, but size breaks fights. Golovkin's bigger. He's stronger. He's a better boxer. He even has better foot movement. He is more athletic. Canelo has slow feet, and that's something Mayweather picked apart in their bout, if you recall, where he dominated Canelo. And I think the luck and power is just going to overwhelm Canelo. I really don't think he stands a chance. I get, I think that that fight will go seven rounds at the most if Canelo, if Golovkin just wants to take it easy. But if Golovkin's going for the knockout, it probably last four rounds. Yeah, that's, you know, that's always, like, a a bit of a surprise for me. Like, Canelo Alvarez, he's such a, you know, heralded uh, champion the way everybody talks about him at such a young age. But yet, when you when you talk about him matching up against a guy, like, you saw how he went against Mayweather, and we were talking about against Triple G, it seems like, you know, he's not the favorite in, in many in many cases. So, if that's the case, if a guy like Canelo Alvarez, who many people believe is the best fighter at that weight division, if he can't fight Triple G, Who's out there for him? I mean, let's let's be honest. Who is he the best fighter at that weight? At that weight, I would say yes. Um, however, there really isn't anybody for Golovkin to fight that would make sense. I mean, there's always Andre Ward. That there was talk of that happening before the Kovalev discussion, but it seems like Golovkin may have been ducking Ward. I know a lot of people are saying Canelo is ducking Golovkin, but some are saying Golovkin is ducking Andre Ward. Understandably so. I think Andre Ward would be very, very problematic 
for Golovkin, and I think I'd give the edge to Andre Ward in that fight. Um, I don't know who Golovkin can fight besides Canelo and Ward, but if you haven't been paying attention to Instagram, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has called out Golovkin and said that Canelo's a coward um, and that he should fight him. But we don't know if that's really realistic or if that's just a Canelo Chavez Mexican beef that is happening. So that might be a fight that could happen. Also, there's Danny Jacobs. I don't know if you remember Danny Jacobs, the man that fought. The Miracle Man, and, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he fought cancer and won. Um, he mm-hmm. just beat, stunned Peter Quillen. And remember right. when Peter Quillen was also somebody that people wanted to see the Lufkin fight. Um, but not, there's, there's actually a lot of a lot of potential dance partners, but there's a lot of politics. And as we all know in life, in the office or anywhere else, politics plays a huge role in things getting done. Uh, HBO is trying hard to push Golovkin, and it seems like he is hugely popular. And his last fight was the highest-viewed fight for HBO in a year. So... We'll see something. We'll probably see some type of manufactured interaction like the one with Lemieux. Uh, so hopefully something can happen soon, and, and I hope it's Canelo because that will be a star-making performance for the Luskin. Yeah, and, and that's the, and that's the thing because from what I've been hearing, a lot of reports is he he's such a great fighter, and even what you were saying about some of the guys he's fighting are not of that caliber, and he really he hasn't really had like a big pay-per-view bout, you know? When you want to say I gotta pay for a triple G fight, uh, don't yeah. you think that's kind of the same exact scenario that Andre Ward is in right now? That he can't have that big pay per view fight because he doesn't have anybody to fight. Why not have both of these guys fight each other and you know work from there? I, I just think it's it's obvious, like it's right there. I understand it's politics, but let's make it happen. There's a lot of money to be made right here. Yeah, that is true. The the issue with that is Kovalev is, is the one standing in the wing waiting for Ward. Uh, and, and that fight is bound to happen, I think, more so than Golovkin. Um, I think that kind I of ruins I think that ruins it, in my opinion. Yeah. If he fights yeah. Kovalev before Golovkin. Doesn't that kind of ruin any potential in that? Because I don't well, know. I, I'm, like I said, I'm not a promoter. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Um, no, I no, I, I totally get that. Um, but I think the Golovkin war thing has has failed, and now the Golovkin thing isn't really going to happen. I think Kovalev, Kovalev versus Ward is, is the likely scenario, and even that might run into some tape. We don't know. Uh, these boxing fights can fall out of thin air, so um, I really don't know what's the future for Kovalev. He has to. I mean, what's the future for Golovkin? But he just has to keep trying and, and, and knocking these guys out and build his, his myth. But he is an old guy in terms of boxing. He's 35, I believe. And uh, that's not young at all, especially in the sport. Definitely agree. And uh, I just want to throw a couple other names out you know, out at you in terms of where they stand in the whole boxing world. Um, what about, uh, you know, just looking at the whole Floyd Mayweather situation and he said he's retired, but a guy with such an ego like that, do you really believe he's going to remain retired? And and do you see a, see possibly a comeback for one more fight? And if there is one more fight, 
who is that fight? Oh yeah, that's definitely going to be another fight. Um, you can see by the by his movements, his involvement, and interaction with Adrian Broner. Um, I think the likely dance partner for him would be Danny Garcia, who he should beat very easily. Hmm. Um, so so yeah, he's going to come back. I think this whole thing is a sham. I think Pacquiao's retirement is a false lie as well. I think this is all just marketing ploy to get more money, garner more potential partners to pay Floyd Mayweather, possibly gain leverage and getting more money for his contract on TV. Who knows? But, yeah, Mayweather's coming back, and it'll probably be early 2017 he'll come back. And it'll probably be against Danny Garcia, unless Danny Garcia gets knocked out. Uh, but even in that case, it might happen. Now, that's actually a guy that you are very critical on, um, Danny Garcia. Is it because of, the, once again, like the Triple G thing about who he's fighting, or is it just his performance in general? Because he's another guy that, that kind of gets a lot of hype and a lot of praise from uh, a, a lot of boxing analysts. I think it's 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 that it's the issue of Danny Garcia just he's not improved much. He is basically the same guy he was five years ago. He has a lot of heart, he's fun to watch. He picks his opponents very wisely. He probably learned that from Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> My issue with him is that he's just not good. Like he's not impressing me against star caliber opponents. He beat Lamont Peterson, but that was very close. Some people have Lamont Peterson winning. Then he fights Paulie Malinacci. I don't know what, what was that about. I mean, did he, did he really need to fight an old Paulie Malinacci uh, who just got dogged out by Porter? Let's see some good fights. Let's see you fight Thurman. Let's see you fight Porter. Let's see you fight Broner. Let's see some guys who can really put you to the test. And he's been underwhelming his last couple fights. So... That is my biggest criticism of Danny Garcia. I'm a huge fan, actually. I support him a lot. But I am wise enough to know that against a guy like Mayweather, he's going to look like a joke. Right. No, I I definitely agree with you. I went to one uh, Danny Garcia fight not too long ago, probably a year ago, I should say, uh, when he fought against Algeria. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't much of a fight. Uh... Now, here's my thing. And I don't know if it's Algeria. I could be wrong because uh, I know you'll probably correct me on that. But uh, looking at the way the boxing, way boxing is set up now, is there a chance that we can have probably some type of um, uh, plus in terms of people watching? Because I, I just wonder all the time. Cause I feel like Mayweather, even though I know you hate his style and many people hate his style when he actually fights, the guy drew crowds, man. I mean, you talk about yeah. record number pay-per-view buys. Who is that guy? Like, next guy, Triple G, we just had this whole discussion. We don't know. He hasn't even had that big fight yet. Who's going to carry boxing? That's the, the big question now, especially with the rise of UFC. And, you know, we're just talking pay-per-view money here. People spending money to actually watch fighting again. The guy is is uh, Canelo, and, and that's pretty easy. Also, Cotto is still lingering around. Nobody to me what is extent, but Canelo is still very popular. And Golovkin, I think when he fights a, a credible opponent, he'll be that guy as well. You just you ain't gonna get three hundred thousand buys with with David Lemieux. Um, but it's definitely gonna be 
It's definitely going to be uh, Canelo for now. And then after that, I think it will be Golovkin. And who knows what, what role Cota will play. I mean, in the old days, when a guy was, was stepping up a game, he would fight the new guy. Nowadays, guys like Mayweather, Pacquiao, they're taking opponents that they could easily beat. So you see Pacquiao takes Bradley, and uh, Floyd Mayweather's swan song is Andre Berto. In the old days, it might have been Golovkin. You know, it might have been some guy that could mm-hmm. actually beat them. And then that guy becomes a man. And then until the next guy comes along, he gets a shot. It's not like that anymore. Boxing has changed. And uh, it's not like Tyson is going to... Remember when Tyson fought Larry Holmes? Remember when Ali fought Larry right. Holmes? You know, there used to be a transition of fan bases. Now that's not happening. Guys are more savvy. They know that it's not necessarily a good thing to get knocked out by a younger younger horse in the game. So they take their fights wisely. And, uh, right, and yeah. boxing is hurting because of it. But I will say this. There is hope. And that hope lies okay. in the heavyweight division. Um, there's a lot of superstars that I think are there right now. One of them is Anthony Joshua. Also, we have King Kong, the Cuban. He's a great fighter to watch. Uh, we mm-hmm. have... Tyson Fury. Also, we have the guy who he beat, Vladimir Klitschko. And we right. have a lot of heavyweight action. And, and I think what about Wilder? Wilder, you see, another name. Another name. A lot of guys in the heavyweight division. And once those guys start fighting each other, we're going to see a lot of support and we're going to see a lot of people, a lot of people tuning in because these guys, I think, are really, really good. Definitely agree with that. And the last thing I want to say, Danny, is uh, is there a chance, any chance at all, that the belts will actually matter? Because no. I feel like the belts are just <laughs> like a it's, a, it's like jewelry now. They don't even, it, do you even know half the fights with a belt on the line? Does it even matter? Like, when or will they ever any... come back to actually meaning something? I mean, they don't matter at all. Um, a large part of that is the fighters, they don't really care. I mean, you had an instance where Kodo refused to pay a fee for a belt. <laughs> he was like, I'm good. I don't want to pay the 800000 sanctioning fee. Um, they, I think fighters rightfully remember, like, these things don't matter. I mean, outside of you wearing them around your chest coming to the ring, what, what significance do they have? It's, it's really not that important. And I think they caught on to it. Floyd Mayweather doesn't have a belt. Everybody thinks he's the best. Uh so Canelo right now, he's mandated to fight Golovkin. I think he's going to give up that belt because of the mandate. So, no, they'll never matter again. Unless there's another, there's a boxing committee that's like the UFC, unless there's a Dana White of boxing, um, I, I see no way these, these belts are mattered. And that's their own fault. There's the NABF, there's the IBO, there's the WBO. <laughs> like so many committees. Like why would they IBF. Matter? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the the alphabet soup. So no, nah, they won't they won't matter. All right. Danny Class A as always, the uh the leader in old knowledge that's going on in boxing for keeping a real sports. Thanks again, man. Yeah, no problem. Oh, 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 oh,
a mountain, I am a tall tree, oh, I am a swift wind, sweeping the country, I am a river, down in the valley, oh, I am a vision, and I can see clearly, if anybody acts you who I am, just stand up tall, look them in the face and say, that star up in the sky I'm that mountain peak up high Hey, I made it mm, I'm the world's greatest And I'm that little bit of hope When my back's against the ropes I can feel it mm, I'm the world's greatest everybody for tuning in to Sports Social at Easton. We'll be right back tomorrow with a full NFL Draft special. So uh, check that out. Until then, have a good one, everybody. It's from Soundcast FM. It's
sportssocialpod.com. <laughs>